afternoon. Good afternoon. I'm John Talchicchio, Deputy Mayor for Planning and Economic Development, and welcome to the Recovery Weekly Check-In with DEMPED. Uh, on behalf of Mayor Bowser, I want to welcome you all uh, to today's uh, show and today's presentation. Uh, we have a lot to cover today, uh, really to talk about and focus on how we build black wealth in the District of Columbia. Before we do that, a couple of updates for our small businesses. We wanted to talk uh, to you today uh, and remind you today to check out uh, coronavirus.dc.gov slash phase two. Uh, on that page, you can find information about the free PPE distribution that's happening. Uh, we have two partners uh, in uh, coordination with the Department of Small Local Business Development, the Mayor's Office of Nightlife and Culture. Uh, those partners are the Downtown DC bid and the Anacostia bid. At the Convention Center and at Maple View Flats uh, later this week, you can pick up PPE uh, for your business, for your nonprofit, for your medical office, uh, all free of charge. The only thing you need to do, though, is to register uh, before you head to the Convention Center or Maple View Flats uh, by going to coronavirus.dc.gov slash phase two. Uh, so check that out and make sure you uh, take advantage of that opportunity. The other uh, opportunity that we want to talk to you about this week uh, was uh, 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 another program called PPP. Uh, so we talked about the free PPE. Uh, PPP is the Paycheck Protection Program, a federal loan program uh, by the uh, Small Business Administration, which allows you to borrow uh, a, a forgivable loan uh, for mostly for payroll and other expenses. Uh, and depending on how you utilize the proceeds of that loan, uh, it is a forgivable loan product. Uh, what President Biden did just yesterday was he announced that this program would actually be set aside for businesses with 20 employees or fewer starting tomorrow. So what we ask you to do is check out pppready.com. pppready.com is a site that Mayor Bowser set up for DC businesses to help them navigate the PPP program. Uh, so we look for you to check that out as well. So you could get free PPE and you can check out pppready.com. With that, I wanna bring in our first uh, guest who's been uh, with us on the check-in before, and that's uh, Commissioner Karima Wood. She is the Commissioner of the Department of Insurance, Securities and Banking. She's gonna kick us off with what we wanted to talk about today, which was really financial empowerment for our residents. Uh, so I'll kick it to the Commissioner, and I wanna ask folks before I do, if you have questions uh, about this topic, or any of the topics that we talk about today, uh, press zero if you're listening on the phone line. And if you're on social media, you could hit, uh, hit us up in the chat on Facebook or use the hashtag DC Hope on Twitter. So press zero if you're on the phone line, check out the Facebook chat if you're uh, watching there. And then of course on Twitter, you could use the hashtag uh, DC Hope and that's how you can join the conversation. So with that, I wanna turn it over to Commissioner Woods uh, to talk about the work of the Department of Insurance, Securities, and Banking. Thank you, Deputy Mayor Falcheckio, and good afternoon to everyone. As Deputy Mayor Falcheckio has indicated, I am Karima Woods, Commissioner of the District's uh, Department of Insurance, Securities, and Banking, and I'm honored to be here with you today to talk about uh, financial empowerment and education and its importance to our residents here in the District of Columbia. I also wanna just thank and recognize you, Deputy Mayor, for your leadership and the work that you and your team have been doing to provide information and resources to district residents um, around uh, 
their finances and helping to support them during this very difficult and challenging time. And as a former DIMPETTER myself, I sincerely appreciate all of the work that you and your team are doing. Um, with that, I want to share a little bit about the department and the work that we do on the behalf of district residents. Um, I'm in charge of overseeing um, a regulatory agency that oversees the financial services entities in the District of Columbia that have a direct impact on the lives of district residents. We are fully committed to also uh, informing, educating, and empowering residents around their financial health and future. And so you'll hear more about ways in which we go about doing that today. Uh, we also provide information to residents about uh, financial scams, financial products, such as mortgages, banking services, um, insurance, business insurance. Um, and so we want to make sure that our residents are fully informed about the information that is available to them about their financial health and well-being. Uh, all of this information is available on our website at www.disb.dc.gov. And you'll hear us say that throughout the presentation. So if you didn't catch it, just know that we'll, we'll share that information again. So today's check-in um, is, is quite timely uh, because this week uh, we're nationally recognizing uh, America Saves Week. And this is in keeping with the mayor's vision and theme around inclusive prosperity. We at Disby uh, are really using this as an opportunity to raise awareness about the importance of saving uh, your money and the importance of reducing the debt. Uh, so you'll hear more and more about that. Here in the District of Columbia, uh, only 67% of households keep emergency savings um, in the past year. And we know that this past year that a number of our residents um, were, were impacted and had to tap into those emergency savings funds. And so we want to talk about the even more importance of, of having those savings available for future emergencies. One of the programs that you'll hear about today is our Opportunity Accounts Program which is a four-to-one max saving program that will help qualified district residents save up to $7,500. You'll hear more about that from one of the participants of the program, uh, Alana uh, Joyner, who's here today. She participated in the Opportunity Accounts Program, so you can hear directly from her. Many residents have used this program to save for homes, to provide for uh, savings for education, and for um, auto loans. And so you'll hear more uh, about the Opportunity Accounts Program. Um, in addition, uh, February is Black History Month. Um, it's an opportunity to really recognize the achievement of African-Americans. Uh, actually, earlier today, one of our staff members, uh, Ebony Gibbs, um, presented to our staff a whole presentation around the achievements and contributions of African-Americans to the financial services industry. That presentation is available on our website, so please check it out, www.disb.dc.gov. Um, in addition, the department is hosting a series of different events throughout the month of February for residents uh, to help them with their finances and to empower them. Uh, we will, uh, we've had a number of programs around our Bank on DC program, which is for individuals who need second chance accounts and to help them avoid check cashing fees. 
We also have our Financially Fit DC program, um, which you'll hear more about from uh, Michelle, that helps um, everyone from new wage earners to retirees to become more financially stable, uh, and our student loan ombudsman. Uh, so we have a series that we've conducted throughout the month of February uh, about uh, higher education, student loan debt, managing that student loan debt, getting out of that student loan debt, and we wrap up that series this Thursday, February 25th at 4 o'clock with the final presentation uh, about the FAFSA form. We know that a number of families are preparing young people for, for college, and so we want to provide all the information necessary to assist those families in preparing for college. So, again, please visit our website. We also know that residents are struggling right now to pay their mortgages, and so we have a foreclosure prevention program that is managed through our contract with Housing Counseling Services. The program provides foreclosure prevention counseling, uh, legal assistance for homeowners facing foreclosure, and also a, a hotline for distressed homeowners. Um, over 440 households in the district were helped through DISBY's foreclosure prevention services in 2020. And so we want to make sure that residents know about this service and utilize it fully. Uh, and then lastly, we also have um, a program catered to our small businesses. We know that many of our small businesses have been directly impacted uh, during uh, this, this COVID-19 pandemic. And so we want our small businesses to know about our DC BizCap program. As the deputy mayor mentioned uh, several months ago, uh, I joined um, one of my colleagues to talk about the DC BizCap program. We have a series of different events tailored to entrepreneurs and small businesses to uh, inform them about access to capital and ways they can access that capital through our DC BizCap program. And lastly, um, I want residents to know that at the department, we're doing everything uh, that we can do to be mindful of the issues related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. I know that that has been uh, a focus for uh, the weekly check-ins, and uh, I do want residents to be aware of some of the steps we've taken internally to address this through a newly established initiative that focuses on diversity training, uh, recruitment practices, racial disparities and inequities, and the ways that these very important issues impact uh, the insurance, securities, and banking industries here in the district. So that's another very important focus of the work that we do. Uh, so again, I want to just thank you for the opportunity to be here today and to share information about what the department is doing. Um, again, visit our website at www.disb.dc.gov. Also follow us on social media at DCDisby and hashtag DCDisby. Um, if you want any information about our programs, it's all made available. Uh, with that, I want to introduce my colleague, uh, Michelle Hammonds, who is the director of DISB's Office of Financial Empowerment and Education. And she and her team do a phenomenal job in heading up all of our financial empowerment and education efforts. Michelle? Thank you so much, Commissioner, and good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Deputy Mayor. Um, it's a pleasure to be here today, and I greatly appreciate the opportunity to share with you information about our agency and our programs that we offer through the Office of Financial Empowerment and Education at DISBY. This office was created in 2020 um, as a response 
to all of the issues that we have seen coming up in the community as it relates to personal finance and how people can manage their money um, on a personal level. Many of these efforts uh, right now for the recovery have been focused on uh, businesses, and we also want to make sure that residents have the opportunity to understand how to manage their money. You can move to the next slide. All right. Uh, there are a number of things that can occur, and what we have seen in this industry right now and in this environment is because of COVID-19, many individuals have been suffering from um, the loss of their job, the loss of income, and having to use more of their savings. And so one of the things that we advocate at our agency is to make sure individuals understand and have resources that are available to them to help them manage their personal finances. We really want to break the cycle of unbanked and underbanked individuals in the District of Columbia. Right now, um, on average, 8% of the district residents are unbanked. That means they don't have a bank account and they are not using traditional financial services. About 21% are underbanked. So they may have a bank account. However, they are still using high-cost alternative financial services. So this can create a rub for someone as they're trying to manage their personal finances. Our agency, and specifically through our Bank on DC program, we partner to develop relationships with the financial institutions to create programs and products that can work for our residents. Additionally, we know that public trust is something that's very important, and many individuals are not clear on what, what they can do with their personal finances and who they can talk to. So we do have a number of programs where we're trying to establish and additionally um, create more trust. Um, you'll see, and the commissioner has already shared on the next slide, um, a number of the programs that we have available um, throughout the district, I mean, throughout our agency, excuse me. We've touched on um, Bank on DC. Um, additionally, it's tax time. And for the earned income tax credit, this is a great opportunity for individuals to be able to access more of their money um, in the tax space. And so if you have not filed your taxes yet, please do so. It's by April 15th that you need to file. But make sure that you're taking advantage of the credits that may be available to you. Additionally, we do have our Financially Fit DC um, program, and we have just launched our Financial Navigators program, which will be available on the next slide. And I am remiss to also share that our Opportunity Accounts is a program where people can have a match savings, as uh, the commissioner said. If you can move to the next slide. While we know it's very tough to manage your money in an emergency, there are a couple of steps and a couple of things that we want to share with you so that you can think about it. The video that was played earlier, the PSA, covered a lot of this, but some of the main things to think about is if you're in an emergency with your finances, control your spending, manage your debt, avoid new debt. I always say invest in yourself and then protect what you have. And remember, it may not feel like it, but a crisis is not forever. Next slide. This week, 
we have the national conversation about America Save Week. And with that, this is an opportunity to talk about savings. So there's a partnership of over 1,700 organizations to come together and bring information about finances. As we are in the Tuesday um, um, effort, it is Save for the Unexpected. There's a number of themes for each day, and you can find out more about this information if you follow our Twitter at DCGISB on Twitter. Next slide. We've also launched, as of yesterday, the Financial Navigators Program. This is a free program to help district residents facing financial struggles during the um, public health emergency. We are doing this program in partnership with, um, with United Planning Organization, excuse me, um, to facilitate the program for us. An individual can go to the next slide, please. An individual can contact a financial navigator to find out how they can help them with their finances, manage their money, and connect them to resources. And now um, I would like to turn our attention to our Opportunity Accounts program and introduce one of our participants. As Commissioner Woods mentioned, um, this Opportunity Accounts program is a match savings program, and it's an opportunity for you to figure out what other things that you want to do with your finances. And so Ms. Alana Joyner um, will share with us her experience with the program and our vendor, Capital Area Asset Builder, to provide and produce this program. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. My name is Alana Joyner. I'm 27 years old, and I am a new proud homeowner in Ward 7. My father and his family are third-generation D.C. natives, and prior to being a homeowner, my son and I lived with my grandmother for about four years at our family home in Mount Pleasant. Living with family was amazing and helped me save money, but obtaining wealth and stability was my long-term goal. In August 2019, Lisa Dean, president of Federal Contractors, Inc., informed me about the Mayor's D.C. Opportunities Match Savings Program. I began the application process in August 2019. There was a two-month waiting period due to the limited number of slots, but during this time, the team was responsive with inquiries and updates regarding my application. In October 2019, I received my welcome letter and began my savings journey. I saved $125 per pay period directly into my DC Opportunity Match Savings Fund. And in January 2020, I attended a financial education workshop with Capital Area Asset Builders. This workshop was facilitated by Kenneth Lampkin. And during this workshop, Mr. Lampkin moralized the importance of understanding my personal spending habits. After completing that course, I understood the importance of saving my money and spending my money responsibly. I completed my savings journey in March 2020 with a total of $1,500, and DC Opportunity matched my savings with $6,000. Once I obtained my savings goal, I began my journey towards home ownership. This program provided me with down payment assistance for my home, but most importantly, this program enlightened me about financial literacy. In addition to the Mayor's DC Opportunities Program, I completed the Home Purchase Assistance Program and Employer Assisted Housing Program which allotted a total of $100,500 towards the purchase of my first home. I worked for the D.C. Department of Employment Services, Office of Paid Family Leave, and in September 2020, I officially became a first-time homeowner in Washington, D.C. 
Thanks to the mayor's programs, I was able to afford a home that my son can call his own. This home is my first investment and will hopefully create generational wealth in the future for me and my family. Thank you to the mayor, Department of Insurance, Securities, and Banking, and Capital Area Asset Builders for this opportunity. These are accomplishments that my family will benefit from for generations. Thank you. Well, Alana, thank you for joining us. And I know uh, we're going to ask some questions of you uh, to hear more about your journey, uh, but really impressive uh, what you laid out uh, before us. And we have one final guest that we want to bring into the conversation, and then we'll also go to uh, the phone lines and social media. So if you have questions, uh, press zero now. If you want to share your experience, uh, press zero now. Uh, or uh, go into the chat uh, on Facebook and uh, ask us a question there. Or uh, on Twitter, you could use the hashtag uh, DC Hope. Uh, so with that, we want to bring into the conversation our next guest, uh, Caleb Quackenbush, who's a research associate at the Urban Institute. Uh, and he's done some research on tracking uh, the credit health of Washington, D.C. Uh, and he's also going to tell us about how uh, we as leaders can support inclusive recovery uh, and help uh, residents build financial health. Uh, so important to have uh, him here. Uh, and Caleb, you've got a tough job because uh, uh, Commissioner Woods and Michelle just laid out a whole host of things we're doing. Uh, but tell us where we stand today uh, and where we should uh, think about expanding uh, beyond. So Caleb, I'll turn to you. Yes, thanks so much. Uh, it is great to be here. Uh, my name is Caleb Quakenbush, uh, and I am a researcher, uh, researcher at the Urban Institute. Uh, for those unfamiliar, we're a nonprofit research organization that provides data, evidence, and solutions to help strengthen uh, communities through better policies, programs, and practices. And my primary area of focus is on wealth and financial well-being of U.S. families. And so uh, just a quick personal note, I came to D.C. Uh, first as a student at American University in 2007, and I've been in the area ever since, uh, and I've, I really love this city. Um, so I'm glad to have the opportunity today to um, share what my colleagues and I learned about how D.C. residents are handling debt during the pandemic and what barriers to financial health they still face. So I should note before I continue that as an organization, uh, Urban Institute does not take positions on issues, and the views expressed today are my own and should not be attributed to the Urban Institute. So first, we define financial health as a person's ability to manage their day-to-day -day finances, uh, be resilient to economic shocks like those caused by the COVID-19 pandemic, and to pursue opportunities to build wealth and achieve financial security. Residents' financial health is vital to a city's economic vitality, and financial distress can cost cities millions of dollars. So we know from past research that when residents struggle, in addition to sort of the personal tragedies, that city government also misses out on tax revenue and uh, is ha has to shift resources away from other vital services toward programs that mitigate uh, the damage from things like uh, eviction and homelessness. So for this research, uh, we analyzed data from one of the top three national credit bureaus to understand how D.C. residents' credit health changed between February and October of last year. So I think uh, after the title slide, we have some just short definitions that I'll go over. Um, so uh, we looked at three main factors. Uh, the first is credit scores, uh, which are a composite measure of uh, people's overall credit health. Second, we looked at credit use, which shows how much people are relying on credit to meet their needs and whether they are using high-cost alternative financial services like payday loans. Uh, and last, we looked at delinquencies, which measure whether people are behind on their debt payments. So the third slide uh, should show a snapshot of 
uh, credit scores. And we'll start with the good news. Um, overall, credit health improved during the pandemic last year in D.C. So uh, in February of last year, uh, about 26% of residents uh, had a subprime credit score. That's a credit score of less than 600. Uh, and that declined to 23% of residents by October of last year. So another way of putting that is the share of residents with prime credit scores increased. And having a prime credit score is important because credit scores are used to determine whether you can qualify for a loan and how much you'll have to pay for that loan if you do qualify. Uh, so the next slide, fourth slide, um, the improvement that um, is even more visible when we look at delinquencies. We saw uh, steep drops in the share of people who are late on their loans. So we saw about a 28% drop uh, in delinquencies for both student loans uh, and credit cards, and at least a 50% drop for mortgages and alternative financial service loans. Uh, now, we can't definitively unpack the causes of why credit health improved, but we do know that during the pandemic, both the federal government and D.C. acted aggressively to shore up residents' finances through a mix of income supports and borrower protections. So we know at the federal level that the CARES Act provided important protections for borrowers, especially for people with mortgages and student loans. And then there were income and loan programs, so you know your relief checks, uh, unemployment insurance, and local measures like the Department of Employment Services Lost Wages Assistance um, that helped people keep paying their bills. So this is all good news, um, but we don't want to discount the fact that many D.C. residents still face deep financial challenges right now. So about uh, one in four Washingtonians have debt and collections, and uh, debt burdens vary across communities in the district. So I think the next slide um, kind of makes this point. Uh, crucially, the gap that existed between majority white communities in Washington, D.C., and D.C.'s communities of color prior to the pandemic um, persisted into the pandemic. And research has long shown that communities of color experience worse financial outcome than majority white communities, not because of individual or group shortcomings, but because of how racist policies and practices stripped wealth and limited opportunity for people of color throughout the nation's history. So we found that in neighborhoods where 60% or more of residents are people are of color, residents are five times more likely to have debt and collection. They're six times more likely to have a subprime credit score and eight times more likely to use high-cost alternative financial service loans like payday and auto title loans. So our last slide kind of makes this point again that when we map some of these things, um, there's a clear pattern where residents in Southeast and Northeast D.C., where the majority of residents are, are people of color, face higher debt burdens than residents in Northwest D.C., which is majority white. And outside of debt, we know that residents face many financial challenges, uh, in addition to the health challenges and the personal loss inflicted by COVID-19. Uh, more than 100,000 D.C. workers with low incomes lost their jobs since the start of the pandemic, and the city's unemployment rate is around 8%. Um, which is a little bit higher than the national rate. Um, an analysis by the J.P. Morgan Chase Institute shows that checking account balances are falling faster for families with low incomes than for high-income families, which suggests that some might be at risk uh, of exhausting their available financial assets. And then I'll just note that credit isn't the full picture. So we know from the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau that about 9% of D.C. residents lack a credit file and that those residents might be especially economically vulnerable. So what does this mean going forward? And how can we uh, ensure that DC's economic recovery includes all residents, regardless of race or zip code? Um, in the near term, um, policymakers, and I was, I was really glad to hear about all of the, the things that uh, DISBY is doing right now. Um, 
In the near term, policymakers uh, and others in a position to support Washingtonians can make sure that um, people have the income supports that they need to make ends meet. So during tax, uh, tax season, as was uh, noted earlier, we can make sure that residents in D.C. are aware of both the federal earned income tax credit as well as the city's uh, supplement to the tax credit. And there are local uh, direct assistance programs like Thrive East of the River um, that are supporting some families in Ward 8 with cash and other services. Employers um, can also um, provide, if they're in a strong enough position, can also provide emergency assistance to their employees, or they can even consider setting up uh, employer-sponsored small-dollar loans, which are, um, when well-designed, lower costs than um, payday loans. And then we can make sure that residents have access to bank accounts um, so that they can safely receive relief payments and loans. Um, so as the situation uh, develops, we can also consider um, extending or introducing additional protections for borrowers and renters. So um, as was mentioned, D.C. already implemented protections um, for mortgage and student loan borrowers beyond what the federal measures uh, impose, and they've taken steps to limit ev uh, evictions. So going forward, the city can continue to target recovery efforts uh, towards the neighborhoods with the greatest needs um, by suspending fees and fines, um, which are often regressive, uh, and to consider, consider ways to target support, um, particularly to hard-hit uh, industries like hospitality and restaurants. And I will note that I was really excited to learn about this uh, Opportunity Saves program in D.C. Um, because Urban Institute has very strong evidence um, that these matched savings programs um, do uh, both alleviate hardship in the short term, um, and they also uh, increase asset ownership, in particular home ownership um, and business ownership uh, in, in the long term um, by three years. So um, it was great to hear um, about that, and I'm, I'm excited to learn a little bit more um, today. So I will uh, get back over to you. Great. And we'll uh, bring in some audience questions. Uh, but first up, I just wanted to ask Alana, so the DC Opportunity uh, account, you said you participated in that uh, program. Was wondering kind of how you found it and then what your experience was in utilizing the program. Um, as I stated before, my aunt, her name is Lisa Dean. She sent it to me via email. Um, and from there, I just applied online. So, it, like I said, it was a two-month waiting period. But, I mean, the program was responsive as far as letting me know what documents were needed and if I was accepted. Um, and there also was a limited number of slots. I believe it's only like 150 participants that can join every cohort. Um, but other than that, I mean, the... The financial workshop that they had that Kenneth Lampkin facilitated was great. Um, he gave a lot of insight to how savings and how you spend money can stem from childhood trauma. Like, you might not think about it that way, but the way you spend your money can be, um, you know, habits from when you were a child if you didn't have money and then you grow up and then you start spending money because you believe it makes you happy, but then you start spending money irresponsibly. So once you brought that to my attention, you know, it kind of made me want to save a lot of money every month. So I started putting aside $125 every pay period. Even though, you know, I wanted to spend it on other things, I thought about what he said, and I thought about my ultimate goal because I knew where I wanted to spend my money, and I knew that I wanted to get a home. So that program and that workshop was really what kind of helped me. Great. Uh, Alana, your story is so moving and so proud of you for taking advantage of all these opportunities before you. Commissioner or Michelle, can you tell us a little bit more about the opportunity account um, and how residents should think about uh, getting involved or applying for it? 
Okay. I'll take that question. So a resident, in order to participate in the program, you need to be a D.C. resident. Additionally, you have to have a maximum annual household income of $54,250,000 for one adult and up to 62000 for two adults living in the same household. You must have earned income and you have less than 10000 in net assets. The most important part of the program, I think, is really the financial education in addition to the match savings. What we want to do is create habits, good financial habits, so an individual, like Alana said, can think about what they want to accomplish and matching that with their goals. There are a number of things that you can um, save funds for. Um, some of the things, like Alana said, was to purchase a home, home repair, as well as um, small business startup money and some medical emergency or medical debt that may come up as well. So there's a number of different things. All of this information is also available on our website, disb.dc.gov. And so, Michelle and Alana, so when you apply for the program, you uh, kind of tell them about how you qualify for it. And then how long is the program before you receive the match? How many seminars or workshops do you go through? Sure. That four-to-one match is really impressive. It's, I mean, it's hard to get that. Uh, in a market or in an mm -hmm. investment in another investment vehicle. So maybe Alana, do you want to talk about how like long the process took for you? I know you mentioned the two months to get into it, but then once you were in it. So for me, um, like I said, I received my welcome letter in October 2019. Um, and you do have to take the financial literacy workshop. Um, and I took that in January of 2020. Once you complete that workshop, you are able to start saving your funds and you have up to, I believe, a year and a half, if I'm not mistaken, Ms. Hammonds, to save that money. Um, so it's up to you. You know, you don't have to save $125 per pay period. You can save as much as you can afford, um, and, you know, just depending on what your goal is. Um, I started um, January 2020, and I ended March 2020. So I knew that my initial goal was just to save that 1500 so that I can buy a home before the end of 2020. Alana, you are a wise investor. I think you might uh, be able to help. Uh, be a financial navigator uh, for some <laughs> residents as well, uh, given your, your experience. Uh, but Commissioner, yeah. I, I just want to say, um, first, again, Alana, thank you for joining us today. And uh, your story um, is powerful and it resonates with so many of us. And I think the beauty of it is um, that for many of our residents, the important thing is to start somewhere. Um, and whether it's uh, $25 a month or 125 or more, we want to encourage you, especially this week, to start somewhere because it can and it will make a difference for your overall financial health and well-being. Well, and then, Commissioner, that's actually a great segue to the next question. So starting somewhere, sometimes we need some help, and I guess that's why you conceived the program, the Financial Navigators. So tell us a little bit more about that. It seems like just to get started, you need very little information. Uh, I know you gave a number 202-231-7908 for residents to call. That's 202-231-7908. But what do uh, what does a resident need when they call to kind of get through that navi financial navigator process? Sure. So for that particular program, 
A resident will need to provide their name, zip code, language preference, phone number, and or email address. That is how they can get started once they talk to a navigator. They have the option of calling that number or completing the online application form um, at finnav.org forward slash interest dash DC. And we'll make sure we put all that information up uh, on our social media. We'll get it up on the coronavirus.dc.gov uh, site. Now, tell me what happens in that 30 minutes or so that you spend with the financial navigator? Uh, what should folks kind of expect to talk about, or how should they prepare for when they do have their appointment? So the navigator has information to share and to talk to an individual to help them prioritize their financial life and their financial issues. This is not a program where we will provide direct financial assistance. I just want to make sure that's clear. So no cash and no loans. However, we will help you prioritize how to manage your finances and to connect you to the resources that are here in the District of Columbia. In case you have questions, many times it's talking to an individual and having a voice on the other side of the line that can be helpful for someone. And so uh, it's each appointment is individual to that person and their particular preferences and their things of concern. However, the navigator does help them prioritize what to do with their finances. Okay. I think that's uh, a great way to say if you, no matter where you are, mm -hmm. Commissioner, wherever you think you're, uh, whether you think you've got it all figured out or you don't have it figured out, the financial navigator gives you a sounding board to really kind of think about it, especially at this time as we hopefully are about to come out of the pandemic uh, and into better dates. Absolutely. And so we do want to encourage residents to utilize this free program and to get the assistance and support that they need as it relates to their finances. So, Alana, I see you shaking your head. It sounds like you have it all figured out, but do you think you're going to use uh, the financial navigator to check on how you're doing? Oh, I definitely will. Um, this is actually the first time I'm hearing about it, so I'm excited. I'm definitely going to try it out once I finish this. All right, I think you're going to wind up getting an appointment pretty hand, uh, pretty easily. Commissioner, what do you think? I think so. Okay, good. All right, great. So we'll work on that. We do have some questions coming in from social media. Uh, Larissa asked about the uh, student, uh, who is the student loan program ombudsman? Uh, and also, wh what do they do? When would you go to the ombudsman? How do you uh, utilize that resource? So uh, the Department Student Loan Ombudsman is Ricardo Jefferson, uh, and you can reach out to him at ricardo.jefferson at dc.gov, uh, or feel free to visit our website, disby.dc.gov. There is a link for the Student Loan Ombudsman and all the details around how to access him and information and resources are available on our website. The Student Loan Ombudsman um, is really um, positioned to advocate and support residents around student loan questions and issues and debt management. Uh, and so through the student loan ombudsman, you can uh, arrange for virtual office hours where you can meet with him one-on-one -on -one and he can uh, work with you to address whatever questions or concerns you may have. We know that a lot of residents right now have questions around their student loan debt. We know that with the new Biden administration, there are a number of steps that are being uh, considered uh, around how to reduce the amount of student loan debt. And here in the district, uh, there is a high volume of residents that have 
uh, student loan debt. And so we want to make sure that if you have questions uh, about your debt, how to manage it, that uh, Ricardo can, can answer those questions and get you the necessary support that you need. So please reach out to him. Fantastic. Another question, uh, Commissioner, comes from Jennifer on Facebook. Uh, she asked about um, a DISBY. Uh, can you share a link uh, for commercial or residential tenants to look up if a landlord has received mortgage relief? Is that something that DISBY can do, and how, does that, how do folks navigate that? Yes, uh, and thank you for that question. Uh, actually, during this COVID period, uh, we have designed a mortgage deferment locator on our website uh, for residents to go in and to identify whether or not uh, their landlord has received any type of mortgage deferment. There's a tool that's available. If you go to disby.dc.gov, click on COVID-19 resources, uh, DISBY Mortgage Deferment Locator, and you can get all the information there around how to access that. So, Caleb, you mentioned uh, a lot of different uh, approaches. Um, so, you've got our attention right now. What is the one program? And I know for me, I'm very interested. You mentioned Thrive uh, and maybe talking a little bit about that program, but uh, I'll ask also Kim R. Ford, uh, if you're watching or if anybody's watching, let Kim R. Ford know that she owes me an update on Thrive. I uh, definitely want to hear how that's going. But Caleb, tell me about like one program that you think it would be really helpful uh, for the district to think about, given what we've laid out here today. Gosh, that's a hard question. Um, so yeah, as you mentioned, uh, Thrive uh, East of the River is one of um, the largest cash assistance programs. Um, although it's you know serving a small um, small group of people right now, um, and I know some of my colleagues at the Urban Institute are um, doing an ongoing evaluation of it, but um, you know, uh, one of the core components of it, uh, I think they're serving about 400 families um, and providing, uh, I think there, there's an option of either $1,100 a month for five months or a lump sum um, of $5,500. Uh, and that direct cash support um, provides a lot of flexibility for families. Um, and, you know, other large cash transfers like the earned income tax credit, um, I mentioned, you know, DC's um, supplement to the earned income tax credit um, provides critical infusions. And so we know that in even small amounts of cash, you know, as little as uh, $250 to $750 um, makes a big difference in terms of whether um, people experience evictions or miss utility payments. Um, so, you know, my, uh, my, I guess my bottom line is, you know, sort of cash supports um, to give people, you know, sort of the optimum flexibility um, to meet, uh, you know, whatever unique circumstances that they're facing at the moment. Great. And uh, Caleb, we have a um, question that just came in uh, from social media for you is about uh, that people, you know, in the pandemic had lost their jobs uh, and income. Um, so, or excuse me, I see. Uh, people had lost their jobs and, uh, and income. So how would credit scores improve even in that environment? Um, so just, you know, I know on a macro level, uh, 800,000 jobs before the pandemic in the district. We lost about 53,000 jobs. A lot of those jobs were in the hospitality sector. Uh, so I guess the question from uh, social media is about, uh, you know, folks are losing their jobs, so they're losing their income. So how do credit scores still improve? Yeah, so um, thanks for that question. And um, so I'll make two points. You know, one is that, um, you know, we are looking at um, sort of the share um, of residents with a you know subprime credit score um, 
for the district. And so um, some people's credit scores are improving and some, some people's credit scores are, are decreasing. Um, but one of the reasons or one of the things to keep in mind um, with credit scores is there's a common misconception that uh, income uh, is a factor in your credit score. Uh, and in fact, it is not. Um, in most cases, um, the primary uh, factors uh, that uh, influence whether um, influence your overall credit score are, you know, your past history with debt uh, and your current utilization. So, um, you know, if you've successfully um, paid uh, your previous debts on schedule, um, and if you are um, using a low share of debt relative to your income, um, that is what will, you know, increase your, your credit score. And so we have a situation where people might be, still be getting, um, you know, cash supports through various means, as I, as I mentioned. Um, and they're also, um, right now during the pandemic, there are special measures in place um, that allow people to um, seek accommodations on their loans. If they're, you know, affected by the pandemic, they can ask for forbearance, you know, in mortgages, um, student loans. Um, I know the federal government, um, you know, automatically paused for federally backed um, suspended loans, but those, those loans are still counted as current. Um, so people are counted as making on-time payments. Um, and so that might be, you know, some of the major factors of, of why credit scores are increasing right now. So again, it's, it's um, you know, not an income-driven met metric. Um, and then secondly, there are protections right now as well as income supports that are helping people um, make their debt payments on time. Thank you for that. A uh, couple mentions uh, in Caleb's uh, presentation and answer about the earned income tax credit. Um, Commissioner Michelle, can you talk to us a little bit about what the earned income tax credit is and how district residents can take advantage of uh, that credit? Okay, so the earned income tax credit is a tax credit that is offered both on the federal level and the DC level for individuals that have earned income um, in the past tax year. Uh, it varies based on your income level many times now, especially in the pandemic. If you have not participated in the earned income tax credit before, you should talk to your tax advisor to see if it's something that's available to you now. This is one of the largest um, poverty reduction credits that the, that the district has as well as on the federal side. This can be combined with not only earned income tax credit, but also child tax credit for a, a large lump sum for an individual family that could really benefit from this, especially during this time in the, in the community. So um, this is something that you can find out more about also on our website and also through our vendor um, capital area asset builder and community tax aid. Um, I also will pivot and share with you, this is also the time to get qualified free tax preparation um, and that's something that we advocate for as well. So as you are, um, you may have, someone may have lost their job or they may have lost some of their income, but if they had work um, experience in 2019 as well as 2020, they can apply for this credit. So most importantly, talk to your um, tax advisor or talk to an individual at one of the free tax preparation programs that are available now so that you can see if you qualify. Actually, and that's a great point because you don't have to navigate the earned income tax credit. It's something that I was going to ask you to describe in 30 seconds or less uh, uh, just to lay out that challenge just as a joke. But it's a hard one to understand, I it think. Uh, so the best thing to do is probably to get in front of that uh, you know, tax guidance. So how do folks find that free uh, tax resource? 
sure. for tax preparation? We have some resources on our website, um, gisb.dc.gov. Additionally, uh, our, we also partner with Capital Area Asset Builders and Community Tax Aid. Uh, these are all websites that are available, and they have the most up-to-date information. This year, taxes have been a, a challenge in the sense that people used to come face-to-face -to, -face to get their taxes prepared, and that's not necessarily an option during the pandemic. And so many of our tax providers in the District of Columbia are um, pivoting and accepting tax documents in different ways. And so some of our partners um, also are... Um, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. The name of uh, one of the programs is Planning, United Planning Organization. Excuse me. I want to keep calling them Urban because we have someone from Urban here. Um, United Planning Organization, Community Tax Aid, um, Catholic Charities. There are a number of providers that are still trying to provide free tax preparation for residents. Great. Um, and it's okay. You've given us a lot of information today. <laughs> so the way uh, you've navigated all this information is really impressive. Um, so I had a question. I think it's a little bit uh, off topic, but I want to try to uh, navigate this question too. Um, and it's about building occupancy. It comes from Greg on Facebook. He asked how many staff persons can return to their offices. Is it 25%? Is there separate uh, ruling for uh, retail and restaurants. Okay, got it. So this is about reopen. Uh, so I know there's a lot of interest in uh, reopen right now uh, because people see that the health metrics are improving. Um, and so we are uh, seeing that. However, uh, the virus is still with us uh, and we're still in the midst of this pandemic and the response to the pandemic. So what we want everyone to do is continue to uh, utilize the testing that we have available uh, needatestgetatest.com is where you find all the locations. You can also pre-register for a test so that when you go to the testing site, uh, you're able to get through the testing site uh, even faster. So again, we're still in the midst of the pandemic. Now, in terms of specific guidance, and that's what Greg is looking for, uh, it's a really good question. So what you do is you go to coronavirus.dc.gov slash phase two. That's where you can find all of the information about where we are with our health guidance as well. So important that we have all the health protocols in place in order to protect our residents, our workers, and our visitors. That's also why Mayor Bowser, uh, and I announced it earlier, uh, put together this program with uh, the Department of Small Local Business Development, the Mayor's Office of Nightlife and Culture, as well as the Downtown DC bid and the Anacostia bid to make sure that uh, businesses, uh, nonprofits, and medical offices still have the needed PPE uh, in order to protect their uh, workers and their customers. Uh, so what we want you to do is keep looking at coronavirus.dc.gov uh, slash phase two in order to make sure that you're up to speed on all of our uh, health guidance. Right now for office, we're still encouraging telework. For retail, we're still at 25% capacity or occupancy. So what we want you to do is, again, continue to look at the website for more information but in the meantime, we want all residents, workers, and visitors to check out uh, the broad testing that we have available. All the testing is free. If you go to needatest.getatest, uh, excuse me, needatestgetatest.com, uh, that's where you can find out how you can get your free coronavirus uh, test. And we have those uh, six days a week at locations around the district. So thank you, Greg, for that question. Uh, and then I want to go to... 
Um, back to uh, Commissioner Woods, just to talk about, you've laid out a lot of programs uh, for individuals. Uh, how do you, when you think about this being America Saves Week, I know you laid out kind of thinking about how you start somewhere, uh, how you also save for an emergency. What's kind of the biggest piece of advice that has been raised up for you as you prepared for this week and that you would impart upon our residents? I would say that, and thank you for uh, that question. Um, I would say that one of the biggest pieces of advice is that I would give to, to residents is that uh, your finances matter. Uh, how you handle your finances is important. And oftentimes we may not get that message or understand that um, until uh, a catastrophe strikes or we may uh, get that information early on, but whatever stage you, you get that information, it's important that you are attentive to your finances and the impact that it can have not only on your life, but on your family's life, on your community's lives. And so the information that you're hearing us share here today is really designed to help you make finance, better financial decisions, to help you um, better understand your finances and manage your finances. Uh, financial literacy is so important. There's so much information out there and trying to understand um, your insurance policies or trying to understand you know, securities and investments or even um, your bank accounts. And a lot of that can be uh, confusing. And so we wanna help to, to educate you on how to navigate that, how to make sense of the, the various ways in which you interact with your finances. The Department of Insurance, Securities, and Banking, uh, Banking is a regulatory agency, yes, uh, but we're also here to empower you, to support you, to educate you about your finances, and that's some of what you've heard here today. Uh, and please visit our website for additional information, and don't hesitate to reach out to us. I'll also add that if you've had any challenges uh, related to any of your financial institutions and have a complaint, we do have a pretty robust uh, complaint resolution program, and so feel free to reach out to us uh, regarding any complaints you may have related to any of the financial institutions that you've interacted with. All right, Michelle, I want to get your parting thought too, but I want to uh, just ask you, which of the programs is your favorite? Ooh, that's a tough <laughs> question because I've had to put many of them together. Uh, Bank on DC um, is my heart. Uh, we're providing access to affordable and safe checking and savings accounts, Financially Fit DC. Um, I built that in 2017, and that is something where anybody can learn about their finances and we can meet you where you are. And then our newest program, Financial Navigator, um, that is something that we're piloting and we want to see how we can help and engage people. And we have seen already since it just started yesterday, there are a number of people that need some some assistance. So I don't know if I can pick. It's like trying to pick your favorite child, and uh, that's just not right. But I will say this. For anyone that's trying to figure out their finances, don't put your head in the sand. Uh, acknowledge where you are and then seek help if you need it. Uh, many of the financial institutions are here to help you. Um, there are resources available for you. And don't think that it's too late to get started. Even if you need just $1 to start saving, start somewhere or get started. Great. Uh, Caleb, I'll go to you for a, a parting thought. Sure. Um, so I think uh, one thing to, to 
that I was really encouraged by uh, to learn about today was, um, again, the uh, DC saves or the, the opportunity um, DC accounts. Um, this uh, mass savings approach to um, building wealth um, is a proven design. Um, so, you know, Urban Institute uh, a couple years ago released results from a, a randomized control trial, which is a research design that creates very strong evidence um, and found that uh, in the short term, it, it decreased material hardship by 34%, you know, by giving people, you know, the assets and the confidence. Um, and then um, by three years, it had increased home ownership among renters and business ownership among non-business owners by 50%. Um, so really encouraging to hear about uh, this program and uh, look forward to following its progress. Great. And then, Alana, uh, your parting uh, thoughts, parting advice? Um, I just want to say thank you again to the Capital Area Assets Builders and the Department of Insurance and Securities and Banking and the mayor for the programs, you know, that I was able to take advantage of. And I'm here if there's any more assistance needed as far as doing outreach and things like that. But thank you so much for the opportunity. Well, Alana, thank you for uh, going and navigating uh, all the programs that you have. I uh, know you're going to continue to build on the success uh, that you've had, and we're really proud uh, to have you with us uh, here today. Uh, so just want to thank all of uh, the participants who joined us today. Really a great conversation. We wanted to really have a conversation as we're in the midst of Black History Month about how uh, we build black wealth, and a lot of the steps uh, we talked about today can help our residents do just that. Uh, so I uh, want to thank the Department of uh, Insurance, Securities, and Banking, Commissioner Woods, and the team. Uh, for all of their work uh, in America Saves Week. Again, for our business uh, owners and our employees at small businesses, remember that uh, President Biden has uh, established uh, the next two weeks, so starting tomorrow and the two weeks that follow, exclusively for businesses of 20 employees or fewer to apply for PPP. So reach out to your bank, reach out to one of the CDFIs in the city and ask them about applying for PPP. If you need more information about that program, uh, we set up a site. Mayor Bowser wanted to make sure that our businesses look to that federal program, and that's why she established PPPReady.com. So check that out. And then, again, another reminder uh, that there's free PPE available uh, for businesses, nonprofits, and medical offices. Check out coronavirus.com, uh, uh, excuse me, coronavirus.dc.gov slash uh, phase two, and that's where you can find more information about that. And then finally, one more, uh, one more plug for our uh, free public testing uh, for the coronavirus. Check out needatest. Oh, excuse me, keep getting that one. Needatestgetatest.com. Again, needatestgetatest.com. That's where you can find all of our locations for free testing as well as uh, pre-register to make your experience even smoother uh, when you get to the testing site. So thank you all for joining us today. Continue to be safe. Continue to take care of one another and continue to mask up. Thank you again. Thank you.